Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Love Talk Radio. Gentlemen, welcome to the Unexplained World Internet Radio Broadcast with your host, Edward Shanahan, a paranormal, spiritual observer, and psychic reader, along with Annette, a high priestess and psychic reader. The Unexplained World is a location where the border between the natural and supernatural may become nothing more than fuzzy, so enjoy. Welcome to the May 23rd broadcast of The Unexplained World with your host, Edward Shanahan. It's me and Annette. Hello, Annette. Hi, Ed. How are you tonight? Oh, how are you doing, kid? I'm doing fantastic. Um, enjoying the hot weather? We did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the kids played with the hose in the pool all afternoon. <laughs> oh, super, super. Yeah, it was uh, It was a bit warm today. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, a long night last night at 2 o'clock over at the Stag's Head, doing the seance and everything, and then uh, got up at about 9 and got to take care of a few things, and uh, was ready to call it in and watch the Blackhawks uh, make their way yeah. to the Stanley Cup today. So a very good game. Congrats to the Blackhawks, Chicago Blackhawks. And, yeah. um, yep, so uh, not as active as you were, but... Um, so I, <laughs> I did gardening and oh boy, running around. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, we want to get right into our show with our guest. The guest is on online waiting, but uh, we got a couple of announcements to make right away. Um, Annette, why don't you make an announcement of what's coming up? Well, on June twentieth, that's Sunday, also Father's Day, um, but uh, they're going to have the two D and C Emmy which is the annual event that Rosina puts on. Um, this year it's going to be at Hamel Woods, H-A-M-M-E-L. It's like uh, Route 59 near Joliet. But they're going to be there from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. And the 2D and CME, that's Italian for all together. Uh, it's a celebration of spirit, unity, and harmony. It's, you know, a festival where we'll have uh, different kinds of uh, topics that they'll talk about and, uh, speakers and circles and rituals and lots of different people out there selling all their goods. I'm going to be there to read pagan children's books to the kids and keep them entertained all day. So it's pretty exciting. Rosina's really gotten this thing off the ground where it's it's a fixture in the community now. You know, Rosina's got a new shop too called Transformation in Palos Park, and I was there last last weekend, and it was really something. <laughs> it's really beautiful. It's a great spot. Well, I, uh, I've driven by it, but I didn't. I haven't gone into it yet. So it's really uh, unique. The feeling of it is so open and just oh, it's got a great vibration. It's wonderful. A lot of books there in that, or 
you know, pretty eclectic, you know, a good a good range of all different kinds of things. There's some books, there's some jewelry, you know, different kinds of magical items. Okay. I was there for a ritual, so I bet a lot of the things were kind of put away also. But I'd say she's got a good range of things. All right. Um, I'll tell you what. Send me uh email me a copy of that. Sure. Of what's coming up with yeah. her on uh, June 20th, and I'll uh, get it. I'll write. I'll get it up on Chicago Now. dot com. Okay. Um, in an article. So uh, the Chicago and Eric could um, hear about it. All right. Um, Thursday, May twenty. Okay. Thursday, May twenty seventh. I'll be doing readings at Cigars and Stripes in Berwyn, sixty seven fifteen West Agden Avenue, from seven to twelve a.m. This will be done from stage. It'll be uh, readings in the round. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you do come out, bring items of loved ones who passed away. Make sure I'll do the conscious channeling with it. Make sure it's something like a glasses, a watch. Rings, stuff that would have picked up their energy, and please don't write, don't bring something you've been wearing for a few days or months because uh, more than likely I'll be reading you with the item. Um, so there's no there's no set fees for this. It's a gift offering. Uh, we'll be talking to Paranormal too. The place is haunted. Uh, that's Cigars and Stripes, 6715 West Agden Avenue in Berwyn, Illinois. Um, our next show, I'll talk about. What's coming up, um, it's an open house at Senator Humphrey's house in Orland Park, the haunted S- Senator Humphrey's house, on June 13th. Uh, more details on our next show. It's open house. There's no fees. Um, historical type of tour, some paranormal. I'll possibly be doing, doing readings and stuff like that. Okay. You want to get to our guest, Annette? You want to introduce her? I would her? love it. I would love to. Um, tonight we have um, an author who grew up in a haunted house um, and had early interactions with ghosts and spirits. Uh, she has been really fascinated with ESP since she was just 12 years old. She's written quite a few different books um, and even has her own radio show like we do. It's called Just Energy Radio. Uh, she's from Dallas, Texas. And she just is going to be telling us tonight about her new book, Dark Angels, An Insider's Guide to Ghost Spirits and Attached Entities. I'd like to introduce Dr. Rita Louise. Hi, Annette. How are you? I'm fine, Dr. Rita. How are you tonight? I am great. Thank you so much, you guys, for having me on the show. It's our pleasure. Is it okay if we call you Rita, or do you want to be called... Dr. Louise, or what would you, how would you like us to address well, you? Her eminence is always good, but I will accept Rita. I mean, since you asked, you know. Well, with the eminence in there, Ed, you might want to go Dr. Rita. <laughs> okay. Good to be the queen, right? That's right. <laughs> um, let's get right to about the book, okay? Um, your, no, your new book is entitled Dark Angels. Can you explain what, okay, why it's called Dark Angels? Sure. When you talk about the spirit world, what you're talking about are beings without bodies. And so when most people think of the spirit world, they think of angels. However, angels aren't the only kids on the block. I mean, we have angels, there are spirit guides, and those are the, the good kids. And I, my book really talks about the common or the darker entities that actually inhabit our world, namely ghosts, attached entities, um, alien entities, and demons. And it talks about, 
you know, what they are, how you interface with them, um, and then what you can do to eliminate them or get them out of your life. Okay. Um, and I feel free to jump in. I'm the one that wrote up the questions. And um, I quick, real quick, would love to yeah. have an explanation of attached entities. Okay. And atta- All right. And it, sometimes it helps if you kind of talk about ghosts, and I can make this very brief. I mean, when we're talking about a ghost, we're talking about, in a very generic sense, a being without a body that hangs around a location. And I think most people are familiar with the concept of a ghost. Right. When you're talking about an attached entity, what you're talking about is a ghosty type person, so it's a being without a body. However, they really don't respect our personal boundaries. And so I'm going to make the assumption that if I say the word aura, your listeners have a pretty good idea of what that is. Say that again? Yes, they should have a good idea, yes. Okay, okay. And so what, what happens is that these beings actually enter into our auric field. When something is in our auric field, we make the assumption that the energy we're experiencing is our own. And so their thoughts, their emotions, their dialogue and conversation, we just think that it's ours. And so they can control and manipulate us if we let them. Okay. Okay. How how did you get involved with working with the spirits, the ghosts, the attached entities? Well, as you said in my, you know, recalled in my bio, I mean, I grew up in a haunted house. I ended up... Uh, in college, living in another haunted house, which is a pretty funny story, uh, but I'll just kind of move along. When I studied at the Berkeley, I studied at the Berkeley Psychic Institute, um, and as part of their training program, they had a group that were house healers. And what the group did, it was a group of psychics that would go into a location, evaluate the property, whether it was a home or a business, looking for you know, ghost spirits, vortexes, issues with the property, um, you know, had it been a a burial ground, you know, whatever was going on in the property, doing a report for the property owner and then clearing it. Well, there's really not a big demand for that kind of work. And even though it was a lot of fun, um, you know, having that be part of my business, people just really don't get it. They don't understand the benefit of having somebody come in and clear home. Um, and so in the last, well, it's got to be at least six years now, I started working with a paranormal group and doing investigations with that group. And so I became more involved on the ghosty side of the work. But in my private practice, I, I work as a medical intuitive person. I'm a naturopath and I have a PhD in natural health counseling and work primarily as a medical intuitive for my clients. And I would have clients that would come in that would have entities attached to them, you know, so you don't find an attached entity necessarily in somebody's home. You find it associated with the person. And so in my private practice, I ended up having these waves of people showing up that had entity attachments you know, helping them identify what was going on and then helping them to clear them. And so it was not necessarily something that I chose to get involved in. It found me. It literally found me because I did not advertise or promote the ghost hunting or the entity removal service. 
Okay. Um, I'll, I'll jump in with my personal questions later um, because I'm involved with the paranormal feeler and stuff like that. Um, but I'll go with what I've written down already. When talking about ghosts and hauntings, are they the same or is there a difference? When you're talking about a haunting, so we're talking about ghosts in a location, quote-unquote ghosts, there really is a difference. There are primarily two different kinds of hauntings that you can experience. The first one and the most common is a residual haunting. Um, A residual haunting, there's not actually a ghostly presence. There is the energy of people um, and the impression of people, but there's not actually a spirit attached. When you have a residual haunting, the person or the individual tends to hang out in the location. They might seem like they walk down a particular hallway and then disappear, you know, and you just see them repeating patterns, or they might be sitting in a specific chair that was their chair. Um, And that's a residual haunting when you try to interact with them or interface with them they don't really they don't respond they don't recognize that you're there there's there's no interaction i mean not that you can't get information intuitively from these people but there isn't uh back and forth communication i'll say when you talk about an active haunting there act there is a presence there is somebody actually there and they might follow you around the house um you can have conversations with them find out why they're there um But even when you're talking about an active haunting, that can even be broken down into two separate categories. When you have an active haunting, you can have what I like to say are the friendly ghosts, or you can have the not-so-friendly ghosts. And so when you're talking about a friendly ghost, what you're experiencing most of the time is someone who has died, They've gone into the light. They've done their life review or whatever you do. You know, they've gone into the light, and they've come back to visit. And so it might be Aunt Sally. It might be Mom. It might be Dad. It might be a brother or sister. You know, they're, they're, but there usually is a connection to someone in the home that this person is coming back and, and interacting with. The second kind of active haunting, did you have a question? I'll Okay, the second kind of active haunting are individuals who have died, but they haven't necessarily gone into the light for whatever reason. They might be afraid, they might have some unfinished business, but for whatever reason they've chosen, they're still hanging around. And when when you go into, you know, and I'm not an expert on, you know, near-death experiences, you know, so some of this is just me retelling other people's information. But, you know, from what I understand, when you go into, you know, the light and you go to heaven, and I'm I'm just going to say heaven, you know, wherever you go, it gives you the opportunity to let go of your ego and to look at your life and transcend the crap that you've dealt with or had to put up with or whatever from this lifetime. And so usually you get to experience a higher state of love, a higher state of consciousness. If you haven't gone through that process, you're still holding on to your ego, you're still holding on to your anger, you're still holding on to your addictions, you're still holding on to whatever kept you here in the first place. And so those are usually not 
nice goes, you know, and so they're the ones that will usually create problems in a home when you hear stories of um, issues in a location. And a lot of the times, not all the time, but a lot of the times, those ghosts will actually be associated with someone in the home as well. So you're saying all spirits don't cross over? That's correct. All spirits don't cross over. All right, we'll get back to that later. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. How do you how do res all right hauntings? Well, you already talked about that. Um, different from active hauntings. Uh, can you tell if a ghost is residue? You know, that's there, or is it's an active ghost? You know, residue or active ghost, as you call it. How can you tell? How can I tell? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know usually, how do I? Well, when it's like I was saying, when it's a residual ghost, it's like they just are in a pattern. They're just kind of hanging out in a location, you know, in one spot. There's not really anything going on. They might seem like they're there, but, you know, they don't look at you. There's not, they don't recognize you or your presence. When it's an active haunting, they recognize you and will interact with you. The difference between watching a movie or having lunch with a person. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Annette, go ahead. Um, hmm. Um, I understand all this ghost stuff, so it just seems, you know, <laughs> to be kind of normal. Um. Um, the 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 Dark Angel book. Tell us about some of the um, the the work that's there. What can people expect from Dark Angel when they pick it up? Just a better understanding, or kind of an A B C? How you yourself can put some exercises into practice with your own haunting? I mean, it's a little bit of everything. It really kind of. Um, identifies, you know, the different kinds of hauntings. It has a section on ghost hunting. You know, if somebody that is interested in, you know, doing ghost hunting, it gives some, you know, basic information, basic tools. Um, one of the areas that I really feel like I bring something to the table is talking about the attached entity concept because it's not something that is often discussed. And I was recently on Coast to Coast, and it was kind of funny because after the show, I got a lot of phone calls. I'll just say it that. I got a lot of phone calls. And a lot of people wanted to blame all of the things that happened in their lives on, well, maybe I have an entity attached, which I thought was kind of an interesting concept. And it's kind of like the idea, you know, if you think you're crazy, you're not. But if you don't think you're crazy, but you're doing weird stuff, you probably are. And with an attached entity, it's the same thing. If you think you have one and it hasn't been necessarily pointed out by someone else, you probably don't. The so it's kind of, a a kind of a possession issue. Is that... Kind of, yes. yes. Okay. I mean, in the Christian vernacular, right. um, it would be considered being possessed by a demon. Okay. Um, when, and, and let me add one little piece to that. In most cases um, of entity attachment, the entity is not in your auric field controlling you 24-7. Now, 
Now, when you start talking about more psychological issues that I definitely believe are associated with entity attachment, yeah, they can be there 24-7. But for the average person, it's not there all the time. Hmm. Now, Doctor, what would you say? Let me cut in on that. Go ahead, What would you you say about, you know, um, I'm, I'm Catholic, fine. But let's say somebody like Annette who's pagan in that, and may not believe in demons, what would you call it then? But see, I don't call them demons. I just call them dead people. I mean, okay. my concept... Oh, you, you, did a refer- you did a reference with the Christian, and you threw in the word demons. And well, that's because that's the, that's the word they use. That's okay, not with the, the word I use. Yeah. Right. That's okay. not the word they use. I mean, what I classify as a demon in my little vernacular of the world is an mm-hmm. alien entity that has actually entered the physical body and has taken control. Okay. Okay. I just want to, you know, uh, mm-hmm. get that point across. Um, so that entity probably had a human body at some point. Not if it was an alien entity. Uh, but anything short of an alien entity, has, has all, they have all taken on corporeal form and have had a physical body at some point in time. Correct. Okay. You know, so I don't call him a demon because, you know, they look like Fred or whatever. <laughs> right, right. Just another bad guy in a demon Just another suit, bad right? guy, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's when, it's when they look like, you know, this giant wormy thing with big teeth. You know, demon sounds pretty good to me. I, okay. <laughs> right, right. Your Beetlejuice factor, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you work with, um, you're part of, it says, Metro, Met, Metroplex, Metroplex. Investigators, Investigations. What is, what is it like working as part of a ghost hunting team? Well, I think it's really fun. Um, you know, I mean, because my job, my role is the psychic investigator, and so... You know, there's what, there's what the rest of the team does, and then there's what I do. And, you know, it's interesting. In the paranormal world, in the ghost hunting world, there are a lot of groups that do not want to work with psychics, which I think is interesting. And the group that I work with, at first they were like, hmm, you know, we'll see. But I have a very strict rule that I, I go in cold. I don't want to know what's going on. Give me a location. You can say, yeah, there's a lot of activity. I can live with that. And I'll go in and I'll do my little thing, and then I do a report for the homeowner where I'll sit down with them and tell them what I got. And, you know, the homeowner trips out, and they start validating everything that I start telling them about the location and so after about a year of working with the group, they finally really got it that um, I was providing value to the investigation because a lot of them just don't believe that psychics are real. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of ghost hunting, too, they want to be careful nowadays that they're not just going off and, you know, just making something up or, oh, we thought we saw something on film. They try to get really hard black and white facts. And not all of them, not, me, not Psychics, all of them. well, okay, I know. But I think more, Ed, than we experienced four years ago, don't you think more are a little uh, more heightened in their work? I would work? say 
no because no. You got she almost could separate the two now. Um, the ones that walk in there and want, you know, because believe me, if they can find something or if they can um, agree with the owner, all of a sudden they're good, okay? Um, so you got those. You got the ones like um, Paranormal Castle going to a place and saying nothing is there, okay? Um, just like the when, they, when the Paranormal Cops were at. I was at a house, remember we talked about the location in Burbank? And I told the lady it's not what she thought it was, okay? She wanted to be mm-hmm. some type of demonic type of thing. And I thought it was just a child. And um, we find out when we had uh, Paranormal Cops on the radio show that they went there after I did and confirmed everything I said, basically almost everything, and it wasn't demonic. So we didn't live up to what the expectations were of the house owner, Okay. So, but there are groups. Well, that, that kind of proves my point. But okay. Yeah, there are, but there are groups out there that will play along and go along because if you can, you know, if you could get the house owner to say, "Yeah, wow, they were right. They agreed with me." Well, who's going to look better? <laughs> you know, and that's why she called in the paranormal cops after I was there, but she got the yeah. same results as I gave her. So. Um, but to me, that totally validates that what's going on with the psychic information is real and there's actually something going on. Yeah, Dr. Rita, how how often do you find that you enter a property and you don't really get a vibe that there is an entity present? How often does that happen? I mean, I'll go into a lot of locations and there might be some kind of residual energy going on. Um, I mean, as far as active hauntings, Pretty freaking rare. Pretty rare. Yeah. Um, yeah. Residual, a lot more. Um, as far as nothing going on, <laughs> there's a lot of those, too. I mean, I'm going to say that probably, I don't know, I'm just going to make up numbers, 30% nothing, you know, maybe 50 to 60% residual, and then 10% active, and that's being pretty kind on the active part. Okay. Thank you, doctor. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, that that makes sense. You may you probably have to have some kind of a limitation for yourself on how many calls you do take and go on, just to kind of try to weed out what might be just a, you know, a normal psychi- psychological event that would be normal and human without attached entities that were causing someone to believe that they did have a ghost. I mean, there's, is there some limitation or some guideline that you follow that kind of you run through before you actually go on the call? I, I'm not responsible for that because then they would have to tell me stuff, and I don't want to oh, know. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, so you leave that. Your ghost hunting team takes care of that stuff. Yeah, the, the team takes care of that. I just go in. I do my thing. You know, and I don't even like the homeowner to tell me stuff until after I say stuff to them and I do my download and then I go, okay, so what are you experiencing? Okay, you know? mm-hmm. good. So that research already done for you. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you know, sometimes it sounds like there's this awful thing going on. <laughs> I mean, I live in Texas and so, you know, you can, well, we have gone on investigations where we've driven like an hour and a half, two hours out into the boonie nowhere to, yeah. uh, you know, a manufactured home and you start looking around and there's like, mouse droppings or they got 500 cats you know and it's just like 
I drove all the way here for this. You know, and the person like made it sound like you know they had you know a poltergeist going on in their house. You know? Right. <laughs> We've been there. Yeah, no I'm sure you have. Yeah, no comment from here. No uh, <laughs> one's listening. Um, what was the most interesting investigation you've been at, Doctor? This is my favorite and creepiest story. So, and actually, you'll appreciate it because the woman was a pagan. So this woman called up the group, and she was an active practicing pagan, very nice lady. Um, and she didn't think she had ghosts, but her daughter was doing this really weird stuff. And, you know, the commentary that I got, because they asked me <clears throat> on this investigation if we if they thought it would be worthwhile going, because really she wanted somebody to come into the house and do an evaluation of her daughter and the house with relationship to her daughter. Okay. And so I, we go in there, and the daughter had drawn these, like, I'm going to say rune-like symbols, you know, but these things on the wall. And she goes, well, could it be an ancient language? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's things on the wall. I mean, you know, it could have been some rune-like language. I don't, I don't know. Um, I have a hard enough time with English, much less rune-like symbols. And then, you know, so she was like, okay, well, what about this? And I look on, this was, she had written on the bathroom wall. And so then she goes, well, what about this? And on the vanity in the bathroom were a pair of eyes. The daughter had taken, and she was about six, uh, like a Sharpie, and drew this pair of eyes on the, the counter, the bathroom sink counter thing. And I'm walking around the room, and the freaking eyes are following me around. All right, so now I'm creeping out. Okay, so I have to tell you, after growing up in the haunted house and living in this other haunted house, I'm kind of like a ghost chicken. Even though I love ghost hunting, I'm kind of a ghost chicken. And so these eyes are following me around the room, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to look at you. I'm not going to look at you. And so finally I go over, and I'm like, okay, so, you know, what's this about? And I get this image of a pirate. And it was right at the time that the last Pirates of the Caribbean movie had come out. And so I'm going, okay, you know, now my imagination is just really kind of jumping into the middle of this thing. And so I kind of blow it off, but I just keep getting this pirate, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what's with this pirate, but it just seemed really out there. Well, at this point in time, I'm, you know, having a conversation with the bathroom counter, and the little girl comes, and she's leaning against the doorway to the bathroom. And I go, so who's this guy? And she goes, a pirate. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right, now that's even weirder. And so I asked her a couple of questions, and I could tell that, she was really being honest, and it was like her giving real answers. And then after, like, the third question, it shifted to her imagination. She was just kind of filling in blanks. And so I was like, okay, we're done. Um, go, I do a download with this lady, the daughter, very strong. She brought the entity in and into the bathroom and attached it to the bathroom sink. I mean, it was just, you know, weird. And so we're talking, and I'm, you know, kind of giving her some information. I said, you know, you need to find somebody to work with your daughter because if she is not reined in and not controlled, she could very easily go to the dark side because that pirate is not very nice. And so she was taking all that in, and she goes, well, what about the doll? 
And I go, what doll? She goes, well, the one on the shelf in the bedroom. And I really didn't pay any attention to it. And I go, well, I don't know. Let me go check it out. So I go into the bedroom, and I look on the wall, and there's this, like, porcelain doll, pretty good size. And I look at the doll, and I hear, I've got a secret. I've got a secret. All right, now all the hair on my body is standing on end, and I'm like, okay, got to go. Go in the other room, sit back down with the, the mom, and she goes, so what do you think? I go, I've got a secret. Her eyes got huge, just huge. She goes, my daughter's been saying that to me every day. She's freaking out. I'm freaking out. She goes, what should I do with the doll? I'm like, get rid of it. <laughs> she thought she should burn it. I said, you know, sell it on eBay as a haunted doll. Uh, <laughs> get some bucks. <laughs> That's great. What kind of experience have you had with attached entities? Oh, lots. More than I would like to admit. Um, let me tell a story that can explain the power, in my opinion, of an attached entity. Okay. I had a client. I had a client who came to me, I mean, because I do health stuff, and so, and her complaint was that she had bulimia. And so usually when people come, you know, to me for a session, especially if they have a health issue, you know, they have a digestive concern, they have, you know, insomnia, you know, there's something medical. And bulimia is not, you know, there's no organ to look at for bulimia. I mean, it's more psychological. There are some people that say there are mineral imbalances associated with bulimia. And I wasn't really sure what to do with this woman. And so I just started asking her some questions. And I said, well, how much do you eat? And she goes, mm, five Big Macs. And I have to tell you, I'm, I'm pretty thin. I don't eat very much. And my jaw dropped. It literally dropped. And I said, okay, so is that with the Cokes and fries? And she goes, oh, yeah. And again, my jaw dropped. And I said, okay, so is that... Uh, for the day, for a week, you know, what are we talking about here? She goes, oh, no, for lunch. And I was like, okay, so now I'm kind of tripping. And she, I go, okay, so what about breakfast? She goes, mm, a dozen eggs, a couple of boxes of cereal. And I'm like, and then? She goes, well, then I go into the bathroom and throw it up. And, I mean, this woman was not large at all, that you would think that she consumed that kind of food. And so we're kind of talking. She goes, yeah, I went to a psychic one time, and she said that I was possessed. And my first reaction to that comment was that she went to one of those places with the big palm outside that, you know, you're possessed, but, you know, for $12,000, we'll light a candle and we'll fix you. So I kind, of, I kind of blew it off. But the longer I sat with her, the idea that maybe she was, quote, unquote, possessed kind of didn't go away. So as I like to say, I I put my entity glasses on, and I'm sure, you know, you guys both do the work, and you kind of change your focus. And I go to look for an entity, and there is this young man standing behind her, and he was very hungry. And so I tell her about this guy standing behind her, and we spent the rest of the session helping him resolve his issues and 
getting him to go into the light. He wasn't really firmly attached, thank God, and he wasn't mean or anything. He was just lost and hungry. And he went into the light, and two weeks later she called me up and said, as like from the point of the session through that two weeks, her eating habits had returned to normal, and she had no desire to eat the quantity of food that she had been before. Um, why would one want it attached to her or anybody else? Because they find people that they can live vicariously through. You know, either you have something going on inside of you that attracts them to you, or you are in a very vulnerable position where you inadvertently call them in and now you're stuck with them. Okay. I think that's why a lot of times you'll find teenagers or, you know, people that are, you know, younger that have some issues and problems with spirits attaching themselves because they are just so vulnerable and on the innocent side and they're kind of going through a mental, you know, puberty kind of sends you off <laughs> to, you know, to a new place. So, yeah, well, I, can, actually, I can see where... Go ahead. I mean, actually, the most common place an entity or time an entity gets attached is in early childhood. Really? Yeah, especially in situations where the child is in a challenging living situation. And and what they do is they call out, you know, as an adult, you know, we're we're having a bad day and, you know, there are the people that, you know, oh, well, will my guides come and help me? You know, but when you're five or whatever, you know, you don't think necessarily think that way, but you, you're emotionally and energetically calling out for someone to come help you. You know, and if you're in the moment of abuse, your energy is not good. You know, you're in a bad place. And that is the most common time the entity will attach. And what's unfortunate, and that's why I made the comment earlier, you know, if you think you're crazy, you're probably not, is that when a child has an entity attached to them, they grow up with the entity. And so they make the assumption that this is how I react to certain situations is by being this way or this internal dialogue, this degrading chatter in my head or whatever, you know, is going on in that relationship is how I am and who I am because that's really all they remember. Hmm. Okay. That's so interesting. That's kind of the first time we've heard that, the people that we've interviewed. That's very interesting. If some mother is out there listening right now, and has a suspicion that that's what's going on with their child, what kinds of things can a parent do to help their child cope or find out whether it's an entity being attached? Is there something that, you know, you can do at home that helps that situation? Um, I mean, the entity, okay, we call the entity to us, especially in the childhood situation, um, through an emotion. Like, as an adult, the more commonplace is through addictions, drug or alcohol. Um, some people will get an entity attached to them by doing things like automatic writing, uh, playing with Ouija boards, and I don't mean just like using them during an investigation, but, but using them in turn to get guidance and personal insights for themselves. You know, 
going, oh, guides, come and help me, but they're in a really bad place and they have no boundaries or an inability to separate good energy from bad. Um, But when it's a child, they bring them in and it's usually attached to some emotion. And so there's going to be something that happens that will trigger a remote, an emotional response in the child, and it's kind of like hitting the, the big black button on the bat phone, and it calls <laughs> in, in. You know, and a parent can recognize it because there'll be a pretty dramatic shift in the child's energy. Okay. You know, and they're not the easiest things to get rid of. To be honest, and, you know, in even in the book, I mean, I give some suggestions of, you know, processes that you can do to help get rid of the attached entity, but my really biggest piece of advice is to find somebody that can help you deal with it and help it move on. Okay. How would, how would let's say, an adult, let's say Annette had a, had a entity attached to her, and how would I would how would I be able to tell? In the adult situations, they tend to be more chronic. In the childhood situations, they tend to be more attached to an emotion, and it will come and go. In the adult mm-hmm. ones, my experience has been that it tends to manifest almost as like uh, schizophrenic issues. Mm-hmm. You know, and they just, they have these beings, you know, people just talking to them all the time and driving them crazy. Okay. So. And and let me me add a piece. From an intuitive point of view, it looks like they got somebody standing there. Or if you look at their auric field, you'll see holes, especially in the back. Or, you know, the way that they present to me is these, like, big windows, you know, big square Mm -hmm. windows or doorways. And mm-hmm. that is just kind of like the highway, you know, and it's just an open vortex into their energy field. Okay, but let's say somebody that's non-intuitive. Um, would would you say that somebody that would be considered bipolar, would they fall under that? Could they fall under that type of scenario? Because you talked Not... about the shift in change in personality, et cetera. And, um my observation of people with bipolar disorder, I mean, I'm not going to mm-hmm. say that they couldn't have an entity attached, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but my observation of people with bipolar disorder actually have an issue of the seventh chakra, where their seventh chakra, in, when they're in the manic state, will open up huge. And they start channeling a bunch of energy and really connecting with source. And they think they're bigger than God. And and they're in this very manic place. And then something will happen. And it will trigger that seventh chakra to shut down. And it will crash them into depression. And so could they have an entity attached? Yeah, because they're people. But is that caused by entity attachment? Not that I've seen. Not that I've seen. Um, psychological issues that I have seen, though, is individuals that have schizophrenia. Okay, schizophrenia is the disorder. Okay, and schizophrenia is they have blown out chakras. Okay, um, that they're just not processing correctly. They just are fixated in a overly open place, and with those chakras being unable to filter, 
now they're able to see the spirits going around. They're able to hear them. You know, they tend to open doors and create the vortexes, and it just becomes an ongoing, everyday issue. Um, individuals with um, obsessive-compulsive disorder, not all of them, but I would say about 50% um, have entity attachment issues. Um, people that have disassociative disorders often have an entity attached to them as well. Okay. With your involvement in the people, the locations, et cetera, et cetera, uh, what do you do to make sure nothing attaches to you? Okay. When you have an entity attachment, you invite them in. Mm-hmm. You know, and so... <laughs> They're not allowed in my house. They're not allowed in my room, you know. And, you know, they get into our auric field. And if you think about what the aura is, it's a boundary. It's our first line of defense. So if we have a strong boundary and we have a good sense of self, you're really not vulnerable. Okay. It's when you're in that wimpy, you know, my life sucks mm-hmm. kind of place, <laughs> mm-hmm. that you're much more vulnerable. And and I've had that question a lot from, um, you know, I do a lot of uh, – speaking at um, ghost conferences and stuff, and I get that question a lot. It's like, well, if I go into this location, am I going to get an entity attached to me? And and the answer is no, because you're not asking it in, and you're usually in a good place personally that it's Mm -hmm. not going to stick. Now, it doesn't mean a ghost might not follow you home, but it's not an attached entity, which really we're talking about two different things. Right. Because I've um, personally, I've had that question too. Because I take people to locations and that. And uh, just two weeks ago, lady was, oh, I'm just afraid that something will attach me. I said, you know what? Out of seven years of doing this, it's never happened to me, and I haven't had it happen to anybody else who's been with that I've heard of. So, okay, that was that was a good answer. I uh, I like your response to that question. Um, okay. I may actually use it, too. Um, well, you can steal it. <laughs> oh, okay. How about if I say the doctor says? <laughs> it's a doctor-reader rule. <laughs> um, do entities only affect people, or can they attach themselves to objects as well? I mean, they definitely can attach themselves to objects, as I shared with the, the haunted doll story. Um, right. You know, they totally can attach to objects, which is still kind of weird, but <laughs> but they do. But well, I, you know, but I think left. everybody. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. It, wouldn't you? Would you say it's the energy left on the object that accompanies the object to maybe a new home, et cetera, et cetera? It can be. I mean, mm-hmm. it, there definitely can be situations where there's residual energy that's left mm-hmm. in an object. But then there are situations where there's actually an entity. Um, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I have things in my house that I talk to, you know, inanimate objects. Don't you? Doesn't everybody? Um, I mean. <laughs> kind of. I mean, I have these, I have these porcelain figures, and they're, okay. I call them the girls, okay? And um, it, it's really kind of funny. They were these Franklin Mint pieces, 
And so, mm-hmm. and they were a set of three, and you had to buy them individually, and I got all three. And then there was another piece that Franklin Mint put out that would have looked really nice with the with the girls. And I bought it, and I figured, you know, I'll put it with them. Oh, my God, the commentary that came from them. You know, and you're thinking, okay, I'm having an argument with these porcelain dolls, but they hated her. And they wouldn't, like, be in the same room with her. And then I started looking for a a hutch to put them in, and they were picky, picky, picky. And um, You don't have those conversations, huh? (laughs) I do. (laughs) I got enough going on with the animals and the kids. (laughs) Um. Doctor, where can they find your book at? Uh, my book is available through Amazon.com. It is finally listed on BarnesandNoble.com. Um, and then I, I I put up an individual website that is DarkAngelsBook.com, DarkAngelsBook.com, um, okay. or my main website, which is soulhealer.com. And, you know, if you get it through Amazon and Barnes & Noble, that's fine. But if you buy it directly from me, it does come autographed. Nice, nice. What recommendations would you have to people out there? We only got a few minutes left. Okay. I mean, I think the biggest thing is if you think you have a ghost in your house, you know, instead of being scared, you know, think it could be Aunt Sally or Uncle Bob, you know, or an one of your pets that have passed on, and instead of running out of your house and being freaked out, maybe try being friends, becoming friends with them. When you have ghosts that are in your home, you know, they will watch your stuff and take care of things for you. Now, they might hide your keys, you know, and do little tricky things like that, um, but if they're not hurting you or harming you, then, you know, cohabitate, because that's really kind of what they want. So basically, I, I my first thing is to bring calmness to the situation. Um, as you said, don't try to, you know, don't freak out over it. Try to bring calmness to it. And it sounds like what you're saying. Try to see if it is somebody that you may know, somebody that may have been part of your life um, that's basically wants to still be part of your life, I guess you could say. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Yeah, because there's a lot of people that right away, as you said, want to run out and get the people to, you know, try to, you know, expel the ghosts or the spirit, et cetera, et cetera. And um, good advice. On your part. Good yeah, advice. I mean, if you think about it, ghosts are people too. Mm-hmm. You know, they just don't have bodies anymore. And, you know, if somebody said, you know, mean things, you know, and I'm not even going to use the expletives that some people use because they think they have a ghost in their house, you know, trying to get rid of it. I mean, if somebody said that to me, trying to kick me out of their house, I don't know that I would go. Yeah. And you might be more determined than anything to make your presence known. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think that people that have activity, you know, and the scratching and the whatever, that's what they're doing. Yeah. I 100% agree. Annette, anything else for the doctor from you? Hmm. Questions? It's been very interesting. Boy, no, nothing that's coming to mind. I'm still very fascinated with the whole idea of that. You know, I have little children, so the idea that, you know, they're more vulnerable. So that that was very fascinating to me. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, Annette. Um, 
when we meet it, when we see each other, I'll give you the book. So um, you can read through it. Because I did get yeah. the book. My wife scanned through it and read it. And, uh, Doctor, I'd like to say thank you again. And the websites are darkangelsbook.com. Right? And Soul Healers, S O U L H E A L E R dot com. And Amazon.com, they can find your book also. Correct. Thank you, Doctor, very much for being on tonight. And um, keep us posted. If are you are you working on another book, or is one going to be coming out again? Um, I've just started doing some research, and the working title, even though it keeps moving around, um, mm-hmm. is the science of the paranormal. And it's okay. looking to bring you know the scientific element of what's going on on a spiritual and metaphysical level together. What would you say for anybody? How would you tell somebody if they said, "Doctor, how can I determine a good investigate paranormal investigation team?" What would be your recommendation uh, for a person to find one? Since there's so many out there today. Um, I would look at, um, you know, how long they've been around. And a lot of groups have websites where they post investigation notes. And I would just do my homework, get a recommendation. Um, Yeah, I mean, there are so many groups. So I I think I would go with the recommendation myself. Okay. Okay, Dr. Rita Louise, thank you very much. And um, you have a pleasant week coming up. Okay. And thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Rita. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hello, Annette. Hi. That's good. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, we'll be seeing each other soon, so I'll uh, get this book out to you. Good. When we get together. Listeners, we'll be back on again June 6th. Um, I do believe I have a guest lined up. It's not up on Blog Talk Radio yet, but we'll be on then. And uh, Annette, I will call you in a couple minutes. Listeners, thank you. Anything else, Annette? Just blessed be. <laughs> okay, Annette, I'll talk to you in a couple minutes. Thank okay. you, listeners. And let me find the end of the show. <laughs> My mind's in a lot of thought right now. But listeners, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you soon. Good night.
guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.